President Tsai Ing-wen on Tuesday announced sweeping changes to the country's conscription system, which includes lengthened service terms and increased pay. The president and vice president also dispelled rumors that the changes were in response to U.S. pressure or that the delay in announcing the changes was due to the DPP's upcoming chairperson by election. Let's hear from the president. The current four-month conscription period is insufficient to meet the rapid changes to the nation's combat readiness needs. Starting in 2024, the length of conscription will be restored to one year. At a press conference on Tuesday, President Tsai Ing-wen announced that conscription terms are to be increased from four months to one year starting in 2024. The change will apply to those born in 2005 and later. I must admit, this was a very difficult decision for me. However, as president, I am also the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, and it is my unavoidable responsibility to defend national security and protect the nation's interests. Peace will not fall from the sky. Four major changes are to be applied to the conscription system. These include enhanced training with new equipment, a monthly pay increase from 6,510 NT per month to 26,307 NT, which will result in 20,320 NT in disposable income after deducting meals and insurance. The pay will also be calculated toward the conscripts' pension contributions, and conscripts will be given some flexibility in choosing their training program. One former lawmaker said that the changes were in response to U.S. pressure. Tsai responded to the assertion. I will tell you resolutely, there was no pressure from the U.S. on this matter. In fact, this was a plan we began discussing in 2020. Tsai held a national security meeting early in the morning Tuesday and asked DPP legislators to attend. Afterward, Tsai held a press conference with Vice President Lai Qingde, Premier Su Chang, Defense Minister Chiu Guozhang, and others. We're putting national interests first. The DPP chairperson by-election and the interests of the party are our last concerns. Lai sought to reassure the public that defense issues are the DPP's number one concern, but the DPP will likely have more work ahead convincing dissenters as the new measures take effect. Taiwan reported 24,427 local COVID infections on Tuesday, an increase of 43% from last week. Though local cases are on the rise, attention in Taiwan is focused across the strait. China on Tuesday announced it was lifting quarantine for incoming travelers starting January 8th, despite a rapid rise of cases in the country. A medical expert says Taiwan should strengthen its border controls to prevent a large COVID wave. Let's hear from him now. For example, we can adopt certain measures for travelers coming in from China. For example, people with temperatures above 37.3 degrees need to get a PCR test and so on. The COVID situation in China is getting quite severe, which may be causing concern to some. I think if you're going to China, it's best to get vaccinated before going. I hope that after the Lunar New Year, we will be able to update reporting guidelines or downgrade COVID to a lower category of communicable disease. The CECC head said the government would assess whether to downgrade COVID to a Category 4 communicable disease after the Lunar New Year. That means that only severe cases of the disease need to be reported and that management of the disease will be transferred to the CDC. DPP lawmakers on Tuesday held a press conference calling on the central government to give part of this year's tax surplus back to the general public. 
They say part of the excess 450 billion NT collected can be given out as cash handouts or put toward a voucher program ahead of the Lunar New Year. The Ministry of Finance says it will prioritize the repayment of the debt in putting the surplus to use. DPP lawmakers on Tuesday called on the government to give out 450 billion NT collected in tax surplus this year. They say the money could be given out as vouchers worth 10,000 NT or in programs similar to the quintuple stimulus vouchers. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and inflation have caused the price of everything to rise, from tea eggs to lunch boxes to drinks. The central government keeps saying that Taiwan's economy has grown a lot, so let's share it with everyone. We always say that the semiconductor industry is a sacred mountain that protects our nation, so we hope that the economic fruits of the industry can also be used to take care of the common people. Most of the tax surplus comes from the tech sector. Lawmakers say that handing out 10,000 NT vouchers would use up just half of that surplus. 234.5 billion NT is about half of the tax surplus. It's a huge amount. If the executive UN can reach a consensus on this and they decide to give out cash or vouchers before the Lunar New Year, they would need to create a special act and submit it to the Legislative UN. <laughs> Workers need to go to work to get money. If they have to isolate for a week due to COVID, then they won't have any way of making a living during that week. I would like to suggest that the Executive UN consider offering an additional 10,000 NT to people who got COVID. Meanwhile, the KMT says it should be bigger handouts for low-income households. There are 2.1 million people in Taiwan with a monthly salary below 30,000 NT. I think they should get cash handouts of 30,000 NT each. There's also 250,000 low-income and middle-low-income households. They should each get 100,000 NT. Acting Finance Minister Ran Tinghua says the tax surplus will first be used primarily to pay back debt. He adds that any programs to give back to the public will likely be in the form of vouchers, as per previous stimulus programs. All options will have to be discussed first at interministerial meetings. Taiwanese teens turning 18 next year are getting an extra birthday present from the Ministry of Culture, a 1200 NT voucher to spend in arts and culture. The voucher can be used to purchase tickets for exhibitions, concerts and movies, as well as cultural products such as books and music. The ministry hopes the program will get more young people interested in the arts and culture sector while boosting spending in the creative industries. To make life a bit more fun for teens, the Ministry of Culture is offering new culture vouchers with 1,200 NT to teens turning 18 next year. What do young people think about this? It's not bad at all. There was the art fun vouchers before, and those were really handy to buy books and go to the movies. It's nice, very nice. My brother will probably be getting the voucher, so I'm happy for him. That sounds great, but it's too late for me. It sounds pretty good, but I'm not eligible, so perhaps that's not so good. If they are only giving it to people turning 18, it's not a lot of people. They should give them to everyone up to 22, so that it includes fourth-year university students. Teens born between January 1st and December 31st, 2005 are eligible to get a voucher. 
All they need to do is register on the website of the National Theatre and Concert Hall. They can be used to purchase admission to arts and culture exhibitions and shows, cultural experience, audiovisual entertainment, and books and other published materials. It's great. I think it's fantastic. My sister's kids spend way too long glued to their phones. Their level of cultural literacy is rather low. I really do think that they should go out and watch a film or go and get in touch with arts and cultural things. About 210,000 teens are eligible for the vouchers, which will cost the government 250 million NT. The vouchers will be given out next year as a trial to decide whether to make the handouts a regular occurrence to foster cultural literacy while boosting spending in the creative industries. The CDC on Tuesday said it was currently not currently planning on rationing paracetamol-based medicines. It explains that Taiwan has 2.7 months of inventory in stock, in addition to more than 10 months worth of ingredients to make more medicine. The announcement comes as shelves around the island are being swept clean of Panadol, a brand-name drug that uses paracetamol to treat cold symptoms. The increase in demand for Panadol is being fueled by rising COVID case numbers in China. Some pharmacists report that they are seeing an increased number of people making bulk purchases of the drug. The national health insurance head, Li Bozhang, says if it ever comes down to it, Taiwan will be able to launch an ID-based rationing system within three days, thanks to its previous experience rationing face masks and rapid COVID tests. The National Development Council's business indicator flashed blue in November, indicating a sluggish economy for the first time in four years. The council's monitoring score also reached its lowest level in 13 years at 12 points. That's a fall of six points from October. Let's hear from an official. I think the main reason is foreign demand on exports. Indeed, foreign demand is weaker and firms are having to do inventory adjustments. Weaker demand has an impact on exports and orders. All these factors will bring challenges to Taiwan's economy. Analysts say falling demand for electronics has had an impact on revenue in the industry. In addition, upstream machinery and equipment suppliers have seen falling business amid poor export performance. The National Development Council adds that Taiwan is not alone, as other countries such as the U.S. and China are also seeing poor demand for exports. A joint project between ITRI and the Economics Ministry has resulted in a new high-tech golf simulator that immerses a player in a virtual course. The program features highly integrated software and hardware as it analyzes the player's strokes to bring substantial improvement to their swing. The developers say interest in such tech boomed during the pandemic and that they are eyeing big opportunities in the coming years. A swing of the club and a virtual golf ball flies through the air, a projected image displaying a 270-degree view of the ball's movement. The screen shows where the ball lands, as well as analytical data about the swing and the path of the ball. The technology helps golfers improve their swing and lets them compete online with others. As the terrain of the virtual golf course changes, the software uses AI and big data to predict how the golfer's posture would change. This system is the result of a collaborative effort between the Industrial Technology Research Institute and the Economics Ministry and is the first domestically produced high-resolution simulation program of its kind. We hope to work with sports technology and to integrate the domain of sports with information technology, which is an area that Taiwan excels in. We're aiming for more integration and greater value enhancement. 
metaverse. This is the latest type of software which melds together the metaverse and virtual reality. The software and hardware are highly integrated and it incorporates sports-related knowledge. It's the newest technology and it's the first of its kind in Taiwan, the first even in East Asia or the Indo-Pacific. Through their efforts, Itri and the Economics Ministry hope to capitalize on Taiwan's strengths in technology. They also have high hopes for the global sports industry in 2025, which is projected to be worth 600 billion U.S. dollars. Due to the pandemic, the golf industry has flourished over the past two years. This type of technology takes sports science and integrates it with golf-specific science and makes it easier for people to get into golf. The virtual golf course also offers wearable technology that simulates being on a real course. That means that rain or shine, hitting the green has never been easier. Rotary International is one of the largest volunteer-led, non-profit organizations committed to providing lasting solutions to the most pressing humanitarian challenges. Today in our Spotlight story, we meet Jennifer Jones, the first woman ever to be elected president of Rotary International. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Jones to talk about her goals for the organization and what it means to her to make history as its first female president. I know it's a chance to be able to share fellowship. This is Jennifer Jones, the first ever female president of Rotary International in its 117-year history. Under her leadership, she says a key part of her campaign is to adhere to Rotary's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, I'm very honored and proud to be able to serve in the capacity as our first female president. And I, um, I think it's an opportunity to break down stereotypes, quite honestly. Many people think of our organization as sometimes male-driven or elitist. And I think this gives an opportunity for people to see that it maybe looks a little bit different. And hopefully that means that uh, other people, perhaps other women, other uh, younger people, other men as well, will look toward us and think, hmm, if she can do it, maybe so can I. Jones officially took office as president of Rotary International in Ottawa, Canada on July 1st, 2022. Over the past few months, she has been on a global impact tour, traveling to eight countries to solve some of the world's most pressing problems. One of the locations is Taiwan. During her time in Taiwan, she visited a farm in Ilan. The local project's aim is to create community and economic development opportunities for indigenous farmers. We went into a rural part of uh, the country, into the hillside, to see where a, uh, a grant is taking indigenous farmers who uh, are growing cabbage fields and trans uh, transition them into chestnut trees where um, truffles are going to grow at the base of them. And so it's uh, potentially giving them a much higher rate of return on what they are able to earn um, with their harvest. And also it's um, going to allow them to use less pesticides um, because trees clearly can be watered uh, by mother nature and that means that the uh, the water source which uh, starts high up in the hills and runs into the Yilan area is going to be protected and much more safe with less chemicals being able to run into those into the water system before making history as the first ever rotary international female president jones served as rotary international's vice president director rotary foundation 
Foundation trustee and co-chair of the End Polio Now Make History Today fundraising campaign. Prior to that, she was the founder and president of an award-winning media company. She said that her career in media has greatly influenced her desire to tell stories and solve the world's most pressing issues. One issue that Jones is concerned about is polio. I started out actually as a radio reporter and anchor um, many years ago and it really helped me to understand the power of storytelling and that has really influenced how I wanted to take the direction of the presidency because I believe that when we share stories people understand better what it is that we're doing. We started the polio eradication campaign more than 30 plus years ago and at that point in time there were hundreds of thousands of cases across the globe. There are 30 year to date this year and it remains endemic in Pakistan and Afghanistan. Now nearly halfway through her term as president, Jones hopes to continue to build new relationships and tell stories. Jones also hopes to inspire members and other people to dream big and take steps to help transform the world. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lee Hen in Taipei. Taiwan's divorce rate for newly married couples reached a 10-year high in 2021, according to official figures. Almost 48,000 couples divorced last year, and 35% of them had been married less than five years. Uh, divorce has become largely normalized in Taiwanese society in the last decade. We spoke to a stationary store owner who sells divorce agreement papers. He says both buyers and sellers have become much more relaxed about the issue. On the shelves of this stationary shop, you can find notebooks and templates for every kind of document imaginable. A big sign on the wall announces the divorce agreements with an arrow underneath to make it even more clear. I think it's good. It makes it easier for people who need to find them because lots of people need them now. But how many of these agreements are sold? The shop owner says that seven or eight years ago he would get 10 or 20 copies in and they'd last six months or a year. Now he orders new copies every month. I was born in the 50s. In the old days, the culture used to be that people would tell you to make up, not to get divorced. Twelve years ago, we didn't have these divorce agreement documents. The first time my supplier sent me one, it shocked me. I said, has it reached a point now that we can publicly sell divorce agreements? When we first started selling them, it wasn't just that the people buying them were shy about it, even we selling them felt guilty. Gradually, over these 12 years, people have got more relaxed and open about buying them. Lots of my friends are divorced. They don't call it divorce. They say they're entering a second marriage or going back to being single. Women are all more economically capable, so it's not like it used to be in my parents' time. They needed to rely on their husbands back then. Statistics from the Ministry of the Interior show that there were 47,888 divorces in Taiwan in 2021. That's 3,722 fewer than in 2020, but still 131 divorces a day. Meanwhile, almost 35% of those couples had been married less than five years. That's the highest rate for quick divorces over the last 10 years. You've probably heard of wine testing and maybe tea tasting, but have you ever heard of water tasting? It's the latest expert taste industry to take off. More than 70 of the world's 300 water tasters are in Taiwan. They work for restaurants and companies, helping select and refine different types of water. 
we spoke to one of the most successful, Xia Haojun, who brought the International Water Tasting Certification to Taiwan. Xia Haojun pours a glass of water, swirls it gently, observes its movement and color, sniffs the aroma, and finally tastes a sip. Samples of water from around the world are lined up on the table. They're all transparent and colorless, but Xia can taste a world of variety in their flavor and composition. The four flavors, sour, sweet, bitter, and salty, all appear in water. There's the strength of the bubbles, the smell, you have to be able to tell when it's gone bad. You have to be able to taste the minerals in the water, the flavor of different minerals. She had trained and certified in water tasting in Germany in 2018. He brought the water tasting certification system to Asia and now offers his water analysis to distinguish different waters and pair them with fine dining. He earns up to 3 million NT a year. Restaurants want us to suggest which waters to pair with certain dishes. Of course, there are also foreign brands who want us to taste their products as Taiwanese water tasters and see if they're suitable for the Asian or Taiwanese markets. There are only 300 water tasters across the world, but 70 of those are here in Taiwan. It's an industry that is also developing abroad. I believe Taiwan has a great culinary skills climate and we have such profound depths that we should co-create this trend with the world. From tea tasters and sommeliers to water tasters, the flavor industry seems to be expanding. Those who want to enhance their health and have the finest dining experiences have a new vista to explore.